1: Here
2: right now. Here right now. This is what we're living for. This is when we give into to the. Oh
3: Hi, theatre nerds. It's us, Mel and Mike, in your backstage once again, thanks to the very kind support and sponsorship and encouragement of our friends Creative Waikato and Free FM.
4: By the way, if you are new here, we talk a lot about theatre. You could call it nerding out if you like. We do it every week, so feel free to join us for the ride. We'd love to have you come back next week as well. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and tell your mates about us and bring them back next week as well.
3: Yeah, do that. You can also catch the backlog of our episodes on your favourite podcast streaming apps by typing in Backstage with Mel and Mike. So I'm not sure if you know Musical of the Week already, but I finally got round to putting it on and having it listen. I've listened to it through a few times now. Ghost the Musical. Mike, do you know the movie?
4: I know the movie, of course. Didn't really, I was going to say I didn't really know there was a musical, but I think I did. I just never really took much notice of it. Is this something that you've looked at before? <laughs>
3: Uh, no, I, like you, sort of knew it was around. Um, I've never been particularly interested by it, other than for a friend showing me a clip on YouTube of it called Stage Effect.
4: But you were uh, a fan the of the movie? Uh,
3: yeah, I think I was. Uh, it was, you know, one of those movies that were integral to my teenage years. You know, dear diary, please let me find a love like Sam and Molly that <laughs> mentally destroys me when I die. <laughs> so, yeah, it was integral for me.
4: Well, in which case I am really dying to get to it shortly. But first, we have a special guest. You've met him before. Jeff Turkington is the uh, festival director and general manager for the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival.
3: That's right. Like many of us, Jeff is waiting with bated breath for news on whether COVID is a spanner in the works for the festival next year. We're talking about events in the current climate in general. We're talking crowdfunding. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us again backstage.
4: Okay, killer. It was the festival that we spoke about last time, funnily enough, because that's your job anyway, but a really different beast this time around, isn't
0: it? Yes, yeah, well, um, our beloved uh, artistic director, uh, she Bronwyn, she'd been with us for four years, which was actually one year longer than a contract, and being based in Auckland and the current um, climate, for want of a better term, um, it just... Uh, She decided not to continue for a fifth year, Um, so having a background in programming myself, which is probably a closer alignment with my skill base, uh, I took over the artistic side of the programming as well as the uh, the general management. Cool.
3: They were both part-time roles, weren't they? So it makes a full-time now. So I'm now officially a
0: 1.2 FTE.
3: Oh, yeah, nice. (laughs)
4: 20% more than most. (laughs) the um situation you're in at the moment where you've decided to launch a uh, crowdfunding campaign to boost uh the coffers to allow you to to just put the shine on the thing um that that can't have been an easy decision to come to but uh, i guess in a way though you were were sort of painted into a corner you really had no choice you had to do something
0: oh we did i mean um the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival has been on the, it's uh, been stable on the major events calendar here in uh, Hamilton for, for nearly 25 years. And um, it has been running for many years off a very old business model that had become outdated. And being the scale that it is um, and being a predominantly outdoor festival, the, 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 we need to bring in the entire infrastructure to be able to present shows. It came at high risk uh, with inclement weather, and all it took was one year of bad weather, and the loss was, which was I think was two thousand and eighteen, um, and the festival took a significant lot, made a significant loss. Um, we also, from a funding perspective, hold on by a thread. Um, because we do need to generate in close to between 600000 and $700,000 a year in actual external funds, whether that's through sponsorship or through a more traditional funding mechanism. Um, and the remaining of the revenues made up of uh, ticketing, um, or more importantly, to be honest, is um, um, value in kind. There are many, many businesses that, um, who provide services um, basically at no charge uh, to ensure that the festival can continue so we got to the point last year um, so going backtrack to 2019 so the foundation because we are a charitable trust so the trustees met and realized that okay the festival is no longer sustainable um, it was holding on by a thread uh, so conducted a kind of a review thanks um to crowd new zealand who gave us some funding to conduct a bit of a review about the future of the festival and the outcome was very very clear that now more than ever the wakato needs a major arts festival uh, of scale um to represent its phenomenal growth because let's face it um you know we're the fastest growing region both population and economy wise in new zealand uh we do suffer a little bit from um people outside of the wakato believing that we're not a destination of choice that we're not a cultural place which it's not until you're here that they actually realise that just how beautiful it is and just how much actually is going on here. And it's an incredibly rich place to live and visit. So we realised actually, no, we've got a whole new, so we created a whole new mandate. We about 50% of our, um, our our mandate is focusing on to providing um, creative and artistic experiences in the Waikato that we wouldn't normally get to see here if the festival didn't exist Uh, and the other half was actually acknowledging that we are a multi-day inbound visitation driver so it's actually we are a tourism driver as well which brings all the benefits to our community that um, tourism delivers didn't necessarily come with more money but what it did do is gave us very clear vision moving forward so we kind of expanded beyond the Hamilton Gardens um, which was our traditional base which is the, which will always be the heart of the festival and we started spreading along the river into the CBD and started to be able to activate venues such as the amazing Meteor Theatre and the Current Street Theatre, Victoria on the River, and hopefully we've got great dreams in the future to be able to start really activating the CBD as more as we evolve into more of the Hamilton Arts Festival. Mm.
4: That's proved to be a really good move though, hasn't it? It's a real point of difference with regard to the Hamilton Festival compared with others. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But to get back to the actual question, um, so when, of course, COVID hit last year, it's been, you know, it's been now been going around for well, 18 months. Um, and traditional funders, I mean, they oversubscribed at the best of times. Um, but of course, with there's so, so many more demands on traditional funding bodies um, to be able to help out not only charitable and not for profit organisations, but these new organisations that haven't been set up to help frontline workers, um, to be able to help um, organisations that can't help themselves at the moment and rightfully so they've needed to be able to focus a lot of their um, limited funding towards these organisations as well. That's had a little bit of an impact on us as as it has for the arts in general right throughout New Zealand and um, we suddenly this year we found ourselves really really struggling to be able to get enough funding to be able for the festival to be able to continue. We did know that if we weren't able to present a 2022 festival in principle, then the region would probably lose the festival for the med- the festival for um, the medium future, which would be tragic. It'd be bloody sad. That, yeah.
3: I, well, it's been going for as long as I can remember—not quite my entire life—but for as long as I can remember, the festival's been around.
0: I, I believe so. I believe it's 25 years next year. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's gone through many different um, iterations and um, is actually the largest regional festival of its type in New Zealand. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And we have the largest and live component and we also, our average ticket price is the cheapest in New Zealand because it's really important to us that arts are, are not seen as elitist. So we do everything we possibly can to try and keep our ticket prices as affordable as possible. Yeah, I love does that it, about the festival.
4: Does that create yeah. a bit more vulnerability though, Jeff?
0: Um, well, there's kind of like, um, you know, it's basically, it's technically it's, it's, um, egg because if we put our prices up, less people will come. So, you know, would we actually end up with more revenue? Maybe not. So we'd rather try and keep our prices as affordable as possible, get as many people in as possible so they can get to share these experiences. And in saying that too, in the last couple of years, we've um, been able to, substantially increase the amount of free and live offering that we have so you don't actually have to pay for a ticket to experience the, the amazing dynamic that's the festival. Um the grassroots festival hut, for example, um is open from five o'clock to close every night where we feature uh Wakatu bands. Um, and other entertainment, that's just free entertainment, and we've just taken on a new contract with, the, um, just gone into partnership with Village, which is a division of Montana Group, is going to be delivering our food and beverage right across the entire festival next year, which is um, really going to, you know, it's really quite exciting how we're evolving quite quickly into uh, a festival that you might experience internationally.
4: I think it's, a, it's a, cool. a festival you can experience on so many different levels. I, for one, would really hate to, for you ever to get to the stage where you think that though, presenting that free entertainment uh, aspect of the festival becomes untenable. To me, yes. that's one of the great things about the festival that sets it apart from all the others. Yes.
3: I agree. You know, I, something that I love about the festival, and I think I'm not the only one, is that so many people, from, especially from just locally, will come out to see something at the gardens and they will see no theater or no arts or no music or anything throughout the rest of the year but they go and see something at the gardens every year and i love that
0: Well, it's also because the whole atmosphere is stunning. Um, We work really closely with the major sponsor of ours. Do you like the way I'm pushing some of our key sponsors (laughs) Uh, and funders? ACLX. ACLX, we could not go ahead without, you know, it's a local company. uh, We love ACLX. They're incredible. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think we would have a performing arts industry in in Hamilton without them and their generosity. So Aaron and his team, you know, they commit something like $75,000 of actual product and kind to deliver this festival. Yeah, you know, so uh, that's that's product that there's lack of that's revenue they're not getting because that's their staff and their actual product that they should be hiring out in peak season. Mm -hmm. And uh, just ensure that the festival can go ahead. So through that technology, the uh, the lighting and and the gardens and the ambience and the sounds and the smells in late February where it's still got that wonderful smell of summer, it really is a special occasion and it's not often you do get to experience our beautiful Hamilton Gardens at night lit as such.
4: I just wanted to ask you also about the difficulties around trying to get people to put things in concrete for you, for not just this festival, but thinking further ahead too. Um, the experience of everybody over the last eighteen months must be that uh, nothing is certain, and and things are very hard to pin down in terms of fixing stuff under a calendar, being absolute absolutely definite about you know being able to commit to something like a festival performance or or anything else for that matter. Is it? Just my imagination, or is it actually hard for you to achieve that uh, when you're looking at next year's calendar, for example?
0: I'll have to say this year has been um, an absolute I that I'm on the radio, so I'll probably I'll have to change my terminology there. <laughs> um, it has certainly been challenging. But it's not just challenging from us, it's been challenging for the entire industry. And if you looked at what our programme was shaping up to look like two months ago, it's incredibly different now. And that is because I'm having dialogue every single day with different um, companies or artists whose shows didn't get to go ahead. They were just about to open an alternate silo and suddenly they couldn't, and it happened twice, and suddenly now they're in a financial situation where they're not quite sure how they're going to pay back their bills. and you've got uh, people stuck in lockdowns and insecurities where they can't get together and they rehearse, um, and particularly um, for a lot of ensemble theatre pieces. Um, and it's just changing on a daily basis. So you're just, you've got a lot of balls in the air, um, and it's really some of the stories I'm hearing is incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also reinforces just how important it is that we make this festival go ahead. I mean, this year's festival—one of very, very few festivals that I actually did go ahead—squeezed in between lockdowns, and it was a ballsy move just to keep going. But we kept going because we didn't have a choice, and um, and we're very fortunate and. One of the key outcomes that we got from that and the feedback that we got from the participants uh, was that it would turn into a financial lifeline for many of those artists and performers who'd lost all last year's work and not just the performers but a few of our key infrastructure suppliers as well who'd lost the entire year's work and suddenly there was this white light in the, you know, at the end of the horizon um or the end of the tunnel where um suddenly there was a pain gig and a big pain gig and um uh, i mean of scale it's a festival scale that point a lot of people and a lot of artists and a, and um, um and we suspect that next year is going to be a bit similar
3: are you thinking at all about what vaccine certificates and that sort of thing might mean for you guys
0: very very much so so uh we are um i'm Almost in daily dialogue with um, events, which is the Event Association of New Zealand, who are very, you know, talking very closely with government um, to see what that's going to look like, and whereby that we are launching, you know. Fingers crossed that we do get to move ahead and we're successful with our our crowdfunding campaign is that we launch at the end of our program for 2022, the end of February. Our printed program, we'll probably be referring people to our website to find out what the status is around um, contact tracing, et cetera, because that is evolving and we don't expect to have all the answers by the time that we launch our program. But we're watching that really closely, as we did this year, when we were trying to stage a festival, when we're moving in between level ones, twos, and threes, and also when Auckland was in level two and we were in level one, and what that meant when a lot of our acts had to come down from Auckland, it is a. Uh, it's a case of being incredibly um, nimble, and um, and with a sense of responsibility at the same time. That you know we're, we're living in a world of a pandemic, and uh, we do not want to put any of our artists our staff, our volunteers, or our audience in any danger whatsoever. That's
3: right. I definitely don't envy the job, Jeff.
0: Look, I'll tell you what, it, uh, it keeps one busy. You can bet it does. Yeah. But the good news is that um, through all this is that we're at the point now where we're probably about 90% um, into locking down our 2022 program. Um, Probably about a month or two behind where we would like to think we were, but it's been, you know, an interesting journey and the programme has evolved into one that we're actually really excited about. When um, I first sort of presented the shape of the programme to the trustees about three, four weeks ago at the same time when we realised that one of our major funders couldn't come through, um, the general consensus of the foundation was that, well, how can we not go ahead how can we not present this to our people on our community? But it's a bold program of that's, that's a feel-good program because um, I don't think people want to watch sad stuff at the moment. We've got enough challenges on, um, and it's incredibly diverse and, um, and in quite different to previous years, and maybe that is – you know, that's probably maybe it's just the artistic direction of myself um, and and my colleague Nick, who's working with me as well, Nick Walsh. But um, it's also has the work that's been involved around us in New Zealand. For example, with theatre, that's you know um, ensemble work that can't rehearse. Uh, there is now a some really. St- Stunning work that are solo pieces that have developed in isolation. So without giving too much away, for example, we've got a box set of solo theatre pieces that are coming through um, and replace, replacing of perhaps a large ensemble theatre piece uh, because it doesn't exist. Um, we've got some, uh, uh, well, we've probably got three major headline acts opposed to one because we couldn't not... Because <laughs> that was just too exciting, and we there's a cheeky,
3: there's a cheeky gun there. I just want to know everything, Jeff.
0: Yeah, you do, you do, you do. But all I can say is that all three of the primary headline acts potentially are very, very different, and um, and appeals to different age groups and demographics. Um, uh, one of them sold out in the Civic Theatre at the beginning of the year, and it's been a, it was such a large or large um, company with four of the top. Uh, New Zealand's top um, vocalists, Um, the chances of the the whole act still being able to perform a year later was very slim, especially because our dates clash uh, well kind of on purpose clash with spore, so um, you know we 're very fortunate that we can we do a lot of negotiation in conjunction with spore and we can get some acts and and, and start with us and then move up to sprawl et cetera and This is kind of a bit similar to that, so oh gosh, I could rant on for ages i um, 've just uh, spent all morning just doing the, playing that game of Tetris, trying to get all the different acts to different line up and times and stuff. And I was thinking, this is actually kind of cool. You know, I, th- I think I quite like the program. I'm, I'm quite excited.
4: Sounds like we need to call you back closer to the event.
0: Uh, maybe once I can actually speak more about what we're actually presenting, definitely. Yeah. yeah hurry
3: absolutely. up and announce the program, will you? Well, I'll tell you what, to do that,
0: community, we need to raise $22,222. We're a call, cool, we're 20% there. Since last Friday, going live, um, and that is to get over the line. We're a 1.1 $1. $1 million dollar festival. The community and all the uh, our council, our different funding bodies have all come to the party. They found that uh, you know they found we're, we, we only need that additional twenty thousand dollars to be able to present our core festival without the frills. Mm-hmm. But why, that would also mean that we can retain most of our free and live as well. So. Um, so help us help you.
4: I would like to <laughs> see it go well past that target so that you can do uh, You can really put the polish on the thing. Um, what you were saying before about how the nature of the festival has changed according to the times, I think that is indicative of what a festival should be, though, isn't it? We should be presenting what is um, socially and politically what's happening in our, in our lives at the moment. And uh, if the material and the acts that you've been looking at uh, reflect that, I think it's entirely on point.
0: Yes. I think that, uh, well, that is the arts. Arts is all about um, pushing or encouraging dialogue, um, encouraging um, people to think maybe a little bit different or through somebody else's eyes. Um, and that's how we grow. And that's how we grow as a community. And, um, and if we're not leading the way um, with that thinking strategy, then with the, with the festival, thinking around the festival, then... They we not leaders, they we're followers and then we're kind of missing the point really, aren't we? I
4: feel mm. like we could talk for ages and um, there is going to be more to say. So once you've launched the program, we will definitely get you on uh, redial and uh, delve deeper into the decisions you've made and the people that are coming and what they're going to bring to us.
0: Uh, Mike and Mel, I look forward to that. Thanks so much, Jeff. Nice talking to you. You two have a grand day.
4: Uh,
3: We will definitely try. (laughs) Yes. Bye.
4: My fingers are so crossed for the future of the Gardens Festival. It's such a well-loved institution and a necessity to the continued growth of our professional arts. I'm so proud of what we do in Hamilton, and it's so well regarded around the country too. We will be keeping in touch, as we said, with Jeff. Uh, He's the kind of person we need to get back to on a regular basis, so we will.
3: Big time. Nice, lovely words from Jeff about uh, the the wonderful community we have here. Um, I think there are quite a few people, actually, that we should catch up with and check in on now that COVID has thrown such a massive spanner in the works for loads of projects. Let's start with you, though. How are your projects going?
4: Well, uh, Assassins has been uppermost in my mind for a while because we were so far into rehearsals for that before we had to stop, and, and we guess we got to pick up pretty much where we left off, and none of us has lost anything in terms of the will to do it. Uh, the cast is still intact; it's just a question of um, you know getting ourselves back up to speed and being ready for opening on the tenth of December, and because uh, we'd, we'd take nothing for granted that. Still is up in the air as well as much as anything But we've got to forge ahead as if it's going to The other one for me is of course The announcement of uh, audition dates For the play I'm going to direct For Playbox Theatre That's called Geezers, and that is on stage in March next year. So that is starting to occupy a bit of my time as well as I prepare for auditions at the end of November and then uh, working on set design and everything else I need to before we start rehearsals at the beginning of February. We'll be starting to do a lot of the groundwork at that stage, but I'm hoping to have it cast before Christmas. And uh, beyond that, I'm just looking at other audition opportunities for next year and thinking gee, it'd be really nice to be involved in that, or heck, how could I not be involved in that? And suddenly thinking my my 2022 could be pretty full. Well,
3: let's hope that COVID stays the hell
4: away. What about you? Have you had any casualties in your list?
3: Yeah, well, it's funny you should mention it, Mike. Um, I've just experienced my first personal COVID casualty. Um, I was lucky enough over the last 18 months to get pretty much everything I've worked on on stage uh, but we've just made the really difficult decision to cancel the Rivoli Theatre uh, Christmas show back to the 80s. Um, just because they've lost seven weeks of rehearsal time and seven weeks out of a 12-week rehearsal period is just
4: too much. A tough call, um, though, isn't it?
3: Oh, it's devastating. The whole team are just devastated um because and like we we sort of talked about before nobody likes to have their show derailed and it is actually just a tragedy and something that nobody could have seen coming and yeah so we've done that and it, that's a damn shame
4: it is uh, a very um weird feeling when you when you look at the possibility of something being canned and You've invested so much of your time, your love, your energy into it and so have a bunch of other people. You've become a family doing this. You do accept that sometimes things are out of your control and you do accept that for the greater good, sometimes those tough decisions need to be made. But gosh, it doesn't stop the hurt and it doesn't stop the feeling like you've had something ripped away from you. So I feel for you, Mel. And everybody else that's been involved in the the Christmas show.
3: There is a real sense of grief, to be honest. Um, And, I mean, these are all really talented performers, and we'll see them on Hamilton stages again soon. Uh, But, yeah, they're all grieving today.
4: They'll be all right. Looking at 2022, then, uh, have you got anything that you're prepared to divulge at the moment about what you might do?
3: Uh, You know, it's all a bit like you. There's a lot of stuff coming up that looks quite exciting, I'm thinking about audition I've got some auditions uh, That are being announced today uh, And I'm thinking about Maybe auditioning For a play potentially But as you know I'm getting married uh, At the beginning of next year In March So I uh, am trying to keep my At least the first half of 2022 Pretty clear All
4: right. well enough of the bad news And enough of the talk about Things being cancelled Because we want you to stay right here For the musical of the week And along with that We will also give you What's coming up around the place
1: Soonish My mama's always saying, the meek shall inherit the earth. It's hard to be that humble when you see the number. That's my new network. I'm going to do some shopping. I'm going to make a splash. And everywhere I'm stopping, yours will just be dropping because I'm down that slippery slope and multi-millionaires can flip their lead and I could end up just like Whitney did ha! I'll take the risk I'm-
3: i out of here from Musical of the Week Ghost, and I have to say I'm really sad that I don't get to see Whoopi Goldberg in the stage musical role of that character, Oda Mae Brown. Uh, I love the idea of, of that character just singing her way through her life, and Whoopi Goldberg is such a gem.
4: <laughs> She's quite the, quite the trooper, isn't she? Um, and yeah. has such a great presence on stage from everything I've heard about her. I'm yeah. hearing these tracks for the first time today, but I must admit, uh, my interest has definitely peaked. Because, I've as, as as I said before, I may have sort of subconsciously been aware that the musical existed, but certainly not aware of any of the music or, or the way that they've handled some of the obvious difficulties of trying to get this thing on stage. So I'm all ears.
3: The songs are, are pretty, but, they, you know, they're not super memorable, but they, they serve their purpose, I think. Um, but w- I, I, if you know Ghost, you know that it's about a guy who is dead and he dies right at the beginning of the show or the film. And... He is dead throughout the course of the show, and so I think the show is more about the stage trickery than it is about anything else, from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me get into the goods, anywho. As I've mentioned, Ghost the Musical is based on the 1990 American romantic fantasy thriller starring Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, along with Whoopi Goldberg. Like the film, the story centres around Sam Wheat, a murdered banker whose ghost sets out to save his girlfriend Molly from the person who killed him with the help of psychic Otome Brown. The differences between the film and stage version are pretty minor from what I can tell, having been penned by the same writer, Bruce Joel Rubin. If you're not keen for spoilers, skip ahead now. Otherwise, hold tight for the general gist of things. Like I mentioned, it doesn't stray far from the film's original plotline. So if you've seen the film, you're already with me. Sam is a banker. His girlfriend, Molly, is a sculptor. And as the show opens, their friend, Carl Bruner, is helping them settle into their new apartment in New York. The three of them are a tight little group and with Sam and Molly are very much in love. Uh, At work, soon after that, Sam notices some inconsistencies with some accounts at work uh, and confides in Carl, who promises to get in on investigating what the deal is. We're then transported to Sam and Molly on a date, who are walking the streets of New York, where they're approached by an armed man who tries to steal Sam's wallet. Sam fights back instead of surrendering and the two struggle for the gun. It goes off and Sam is fatally shot, leaving Molly to cry over his body in the street and then this is where a big part of the show stage man- magic sort of becomes key uh with stage trickery i haven't quite figured out molly is crying over the body while at the same time the actor playing sam becomes a ghost watching over her over the dead body i don't know how they do it but it's quite it's yeah it's pretty pretty cool Unable to leave Molly, uh, Sam the ghost follows her to the hospital, and another ghost explains that he's become trapped in a weird plane between being alive and dead because he's got unfinished business. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know that the old thing, the old Ghosts unfinished with business. With unfinished
4: business, yeah, <laughs> great plot yeah. device.
3: <laughs> uh, so soon after that, we're back in, in the apartment with Molly where Carl is helping her to clear out some of Sam's old things. Clearly, she's hesitant to let go, totally unbeknownst to the fact that Sam is very close by, unable to move on himself. When she's alone, the man that killed Sam sneaks in and begins to ransack the place while Molly's upstairs. Forcing Sam into a panic that he'll hurt her, Sam manages to spook the man and he flees. I think he throws a vase or something at him. Right. Um, which is again a part of the stage magic because he's a ghost; he can't throw things.
4: It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but yeah, that rings a bell.
3: Yeah, I think you can sort of get where I'm going. Uh, so, fearing for Molly's safety, Sam seeks out a psychic, sort of by accident, Oda Mae Brown, who seems, when we meet her, to be a complete fraud. Um, by complete surprise to both Sam and Oda May, she hears Sam calling out to her and this is the first ghost that she's ever actually talked to. <laughs> and uh, he convinces her to go with him to talk to Molly so he can talk to her. When Molly gets Odame turning up on her doorstep, she's obviously hesitant to believe until Otome starts parroting things that only Sam would know, you know, things like we did this on this holiday and it was just the two of them that nobody else know. Uh, eventually Molly comes around and agrees to listen to Odame. Through her, Sam tells Molly that he was set up and murdered and that she needs to go to the police. Molly takes this information to Carl, who's their friend and Sam's colleague, who tells her that it's crazy, but he promises to check it out. She goes to the police anyway, and Carl goes straight to Willie's place, where a distraught Sam covers the truth and that his murder was at Carl's own error.
4: Oh, gosh. Didn't see I that know, coming, I'm Mel. Bum. As soon as you said the the name Carl at the beginning, I thought, yeah, he'll be the one, he'll be the one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, why do we need to know who he is? (laughs) Um, So, as Molly swears to dispend all disbelief, a drunken Carl wanders the streets trying to convince himself that it wasn't his fault, and that's the end of Act One. Act 2 opens at the police station, where it is revealed that Mae Brown was, has somewhat of a criminal history, which obviously forces Molly to admit that the psychic is a fraud, much to Sam's dismay. In what's kind of a climactic moment of the, mo- of the movie, Molly is sitting at her pottery wheel, and we're led to believe that she's somehow communicating with Sam, who's also right there, uh, when they're interrupted by Carl, who is, arrives at the house. Molly tells Carl that he was right, that the whole thing was crazy, and that she was just grasping at straws. He obviously assures her, tells her it was only natural, but she has to move on, and then he makes a move on her. This enrages Sam, who's still there. Oh, this is where the vase-throwing comes in, Ah, but you're, you're still with me. With the help of another ghost on the subway, Sam learns how to move objects with focus and returns to Odame's place to enlist her help once more. Suddenly, Odame is legitimately a psychic with the ability to call on real spirits. So while Sam is there, Willie Lopez turns up to kill. Sam spooks him once again, scares him away, and Willie runs straight into traffic and dies. Unlike Sam, he is not offered a white light to go to a good place, but it's implied that he is dragged somewhere not very nice. So off, off Willie goes. Sam knows that it's not over yet and that Molly isn't safe yet. So he begs Oda May to help him stop Carl from getting to the money protected by banking codes hitting, hidden in Molly's apartment. It gets a bit convoluted with the banking codes. Does, so you really it? have to, mm. so you have to, yeah, watch it to really be okay fait with that. At the apartment, Molly tries to send Otome away, still believing her to be a fraud, obviously. And then there's another whole famous scene uh, where Sam is able to enter the room through the closed door because he's a ghost. Uh, And he tells Otome about the significance of the earrings Molly is wearing, who is able to repeat that to Molly. And she's still not convinced. So he reads a letter that's inside the apartment that she's written for him. Uh, which obviously convinces her to open the door and and let Odame tell her everything and and just believes her, so Odame tells Molly all about Willie Lopez and Carl and the embezzling. Molly is distraught, which leads into another famous scene of the film uh which is Oda May letting Sam in inhabit inhabit her body to hold Molly and comfort her so there 's a whole Patrick Swayze and uh taking over whoopi goldberg 's body to hug demi more it 's Anyway, we're rushing past it.
4: <laughs> I, I, to be honest, the only uh, embrace that I remember from the movie is the one with the pottery wheel. So yeah, I, so yeah the that, that, that bit eluded me.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. You should watch it. Rewatch yeah. the movie. Okay. Of course, though, we still need to deal with Carl, who coincidentally arrives right then, as Whoopi, Bo- Whoopi Goldberg's body has been inhabited by Sam. He's armed. He's frightened for his own life because he owes some dangerous drug dealers money. He's desperate. Uh, so even though it's clear he doesn't want to, report to uh, want resort to all of this violence, Carl grabs Molly and holds his gun to her, telling Sam that if he doesn't have automatically tell him where the money is, he's going to kill Molly. There's a struggle. Carl is killed, uh, and he's dragged away in the same way Willie was, to somewhere not very nice.
4: Fair enough, yep. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, and now that Carl's gone, Molly's safe, the white light reappears for Sam, and the lovers are able to say a proper goodbye. So
4: the unfinished business is dealt with.
3: Yeah, that's right. Molly is safe and Sam can move on. Uh, So into the goods, Ghost the Musical has a pretty brief production history in comparison to some of the Broadway and West End hits we talk about on backstage. The musical had a world premiere tryout at the Manchester Opera House in England with performances beginning on March 28th of 2011 and then running through to May of that year, directed by Tony Award-winning director Matthew Walkis. That production, shortly after, debuted on the West End, beginning previews at the Piccadilly Theatre in June of 2011. Uh, Reviews for the opening night performance were mixed, apparently, although the special effects are praised in most of the reviews I've read, Uh, the stage trickery and the stage magic. Uh, That production closed on in October of 2012. That same production then transferred to Broadway at the Lundfontein Theatre on in April of 2012. So also, directed by Matthew Walkis, again opening to mixed reviews, although it did receive three Tony Award nominations and it was nominated for the Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical and won the award for Outstanding Lighting Design. Since that season closed on Broadway, there has been a US national tour, a UK national tour, two Asian tours, Professional productions in Germany, Dubai, Istanbul, Trieste, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, South Korea, Italy, the Czech Republic, Singapore, Russia, Denmark, France, and Japan.
4: Wow. All that international appeal.
3: Yeah, it's been all over. I think it must be the fame of the movie, to be honest.
4: Yeah, I think so, right.
3: Uh, By way of reviews, the most insightful come from uh, Charles Isherwood, who we quote quite a lot in his review of the Broadway production for the New York Times. He called Ghost a thrill-free singing theme park ride uh, (laughs) and (laughs) and went on to write that the show relies mostly on elaborate video imagery, modestly ingenious special effects and the familiarity of its ectoplasmic romance to entertain. The New York Daily News reviewer wrote that the gee whiz illusions, lavish light displays, and supersized projections are the main attractions of this English import. Without eye-popping tricks, the show offers zip in the way of wonder. The book clunks along. The love story gets swamped by numerous scenes and robotic dance numbers about New York's frantic, fast-paced corporate jungle. Some, some, some moments seem to exist simply for visuals. Hey, let's use umbrellas. <laughs> Uh, but the, you know, there were people who liked it in a more positive note. Uh, the talkandbroadway.com reviewer wrote that, uh, librettist, lyricist, Bruce Joel Rubin and composer lyricists Dave Stewart and Glenn Ballard have written one of the finest film to stage adaptations in current memory, which Matthew Walker has directed with energy and passion. I'm not willing to go so far as saying that this is a great musical or an, even an objectively good one, but it p- positively glows by the standards of all this Broadway season's new offerings and the likes of other recent movie inspired outings.
4: Wow. Interesting to see Dave Stewart involved there. He's one half of the Eurythmics, of course, along with Annie Lennox.
3: Oh, is he? See, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so but now you know everything you didn't need to know about Ghost, the
4: musical. <laughs> I will give it a listen, and we'll revisit the movie too, because I think that probably is the better deal. Uh, but you know, like you say, the the music is not offensive, but uh, no, it's at not. the same time, it doesn't really um, you know you don't you don't come away from it humming the tunes or thinking that was a a real kick-ass song um that's also sad can't say i'm really all that surprised by some of the critics reactions by the sound of it uh, you know it's, it's a show that needed the special effects to really carry it take those away what's left and that's always a good test isn't
3: it i think so although i mean i'm partial to a to a good magic show so if you've done it well i'm happy
4: fair enough we'll be right back with your list of what's on around the place soonish don't move stay right there
1: if you weren't all screaming in my ear. Okay, he still loves you, okay? You're done. We have to move on. Sorry, but we have a long line of people here. I love you, Henry. Tell her I love her. Let her go, Henry. You're a ghost. She can't hear you. Can I get a Red Bull in here? Okay, you can do this. Just remember, it's a gift. You got the gift, girl. Put yourself together. She's got the shining, some visionary blue.
2: she got the bunny, like so very few do Dining in the station, to the land of the spirits That's the rock nation, she can really hear it
1: Tisha on May, this old Tisha job My sister,
2: that's my sister
1: Welcome, Ortisha Jones. And what's your loved one's name? Orlando. So you need to concentrate, because if you concentrate, we can probably rouse. It. Well, you don't need to rouse me. I'm right. Okay, okay. Did I hear you, Orlando? I'm here. Back it. out. we get with me. He's here. She's amazing.
3: Backstage with Mel and Mike, thank you to our friends Free FM and Creative Waikato for making backstage possible. That was talking about a miracle from our musical of the week, Ghost.
4: And as promised, it's time to get your calendars out to take note of everything we know about that's still coming up around the place between now and the end of the year.
3: At the Meteor, we are crossing our fingers that things are all still happening there. Kashu by Linda Chanway earl is coming up on October 18th. A boil-up project, Atamera, written and performed by Henirangi Maria Berryman, that's running from the 20th to the 22nd of October. Drag Up Your Life is presented by Miss California on October 23rd. Another boil-up project, Wish I Was There, written and performed by James Smith, that goes to stage from the 2nd to the 5th of November. Then The Longest Drink in Town, directed by Dave Taylor and Liam Hinton, that goes on stage the 24th to the 27th of November. And then, as we know, Assassins presented by Bold Theatre from December the 10th to the 18th.
4: At Riverly Theatre, Mamma Mia, directed by John Drummond for Hamilton Musical Theatre, running through till October the 30th. And All Together Now, directed by Tony Garson, opens November the 13th.
3: Navarra Lounge is currently closed due to the ongoing effects of COVID and the changing alert levels, but keep an eye on their Facebook page for reopening details.
4: Morrinsville Theatre has their version of All Together Now on November the twelfth to the fifteenth.
3: And Mata Mata, the Dramatic Society, are Quietly still rehearsing At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin by Norman Robbins. That goes to stage on November 27th till December the 4th. And the Matamata Musical Theatre, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, that's also going to stage in November from the 11th till the 20th.
4: As far as we know, Tokoroa Little Theatre is still in rehearsal for No Regrets, the musical written and directed by Sonia Winikeri. That is due to hit the stage next month. The Thames
3: Music and Drama are also rehearsing their production of All Now on from November 12th to
4: 15th. Rotorua Musical Theatre Spamalot has just a few more performances left. They close on the 16th of this month.
3: Tauranga Musical Theatre are also rehearsing All Together Now. That's on from November 12th to the 15th. And at the 16th Ave Theatre, The Revlon Girl has been directed by Geraldine Broderick and that's running from the 15th to the 30th of October and Swingers by April Phillips is directed by Merv Beats from the 26th of November to the 10th of December. I think there
4: may even be a question mark over that one too, I'm not sure.
3: And then at the Detour Theatre, Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Spectacle Band runs from the 18th of November to the 4th of December.
4: Theatre Fakatani have Mystery on the Orient Express. That opens November 17th, running till the 27th.
3: then up in Auckland at the Auckland Theatre Company have Blythe Spirit by Noel Coward from the 9th to the 28th, but I actually didn't check whether or not that's still planning to go ahead.
4: Upcoming auditions and opportunities. Bold Theatre are looking for their Kate Shepherd for their August season next year of That Bloody Woman, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chillon, and they're calling for auditionees to get in touch before this weekend. So check the Bold Theatre Facebook page if you'd like more information about that.
3: Tauranga Musical Theatre have put a call out for people interested in taking on the role of director, musical director or choreographer for their April season of That Bloody Woman. Check out their, uh, the TMT Facebook page or website.
4: A new group to the community, Wing Valley Productions are holding auditions for their debut production of The Pillow Man, directed by Jason Wing, November the 6th. Uh, for auditions and at the moment the best way to book for that or to get more information is to contact wingvalleyproductions at com.
3: Hamilton Playbox as Mike has already teased are holding auditions for their April season of Geezes directed by our Mike and written by Tommy Lee Johnston. Uh, they're, they're happening November 21st and you can check out the Hamilton Playbox Facebook page for audition details.
4: Hamilton Musical Theatre have auditions coming up for their May season of Blood Brothers on December the 5th and 6th, so follow their Facebook page if you'd like details about how to book for that as well.
3: There have been more casualties thanks to COVID, but there hopefully is another light at the end of the tunnel with some rescheduled dates, some shows definitely going on, and even some cancellations which, I mean, give people a chance to finalise their plans. Uh, if there's anything else you want us to spread the word about, email BackstagePodcastNZ at com, or let us know when you see us at the theatre next.
4: And it has come to that time again for us to leave you for another week. We've had a lot in the programme today. Really enjoyed it. We have, haven't we? From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you FreeFM for hosting us and we thank Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. Couldn't do it without you. And thank you, most of all, for tuning in and taking the trouble to find us.
3: Yeah, well, There'd be no point doing it without the listeners is exactly. there. Exactly. Don't forget to catch backstage wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can head over to Instagram and find Backstage Podcast NZ where I will be sharing today's episode plus musical of the week on our Instagram story. I have been Mel once again, he's been Mike once again, and you've been backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds.
4: (laughs) Once again. We have no choice but to leave you with the Unchained Melody from the original London cast of Ghost. The musical, stay safe out there. Keep scanning in and we'll see you. You know what?
0: What?
2: I love you. I really love you. Ditto. Sam, why do you do that? Do what? Never mind. Hey, hey, What? No, don't even try. It's not going to work. Oh, Molly, my darling, I've hungered for your touch. Oh, such a long, lonely time. It's not working. Time, time goes by so slowly And time, time can do so much Are you still much? Baby, you know that I need your love. Godspeed, your love.